on Heron's Home Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Rico G. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And we return to the house floor, episode 109. Welcome, everyone. Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I just wanted to start out with, um, you know, anybody who knows me knows I'm a consummate animal lover. I'm a, I, I, I appreciate our, our furry friends, but, um, a good friend and longtime listener, Don, uh, had two very very wonderful dogs one of which was named sadie who passed away recently so i wanted to give an r.i.p to sadie she was a great dog she was um she was a black lab huge dog man she must have weighed at least like at least 85 to 95 pounds like she was a big dog but boy man she was always she was always there to greet you know what i mean but it was never doubting that she would protect man that that dog like it epitomized what you know why why people like having uh animals like that in the house like extremely affectionate but very very capable but yeah man said he was a great dog man so condolences you'll be to a don. what's up condolences to a don yeah man indeed indeed but yeah man yo <laughs> i was on the social medias and boy man it's been scant man ain't shit really been happening as of late but um so i was just you know kind of digging into the annals and i saw uh, on twitter that somebody had commented about something that vlad had posted so i clicked on it just to see you know what was going on and uh mm-hmm. lo and behold yo uh federal agent vlad blocked me <laughs> don't know how he came to notice me but yo man it's funny because i don't really talk shit about him on the social media so i don't know if somebody in his office listens or what but yeah man that shit was hilarious i was like oh well i guess that's that's what it is <laughs> i, I would never noticed if it wasn't for the fact that there wasn't shit else going on. <laughs> but yeah, man, that shit's hilarious. I feel like I've, I've I've achieved something. Like uh, a little PlayStation trophy unlocked for me. Like, yo, <laughs> fuck niggas be gone. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that shit was hilarious. But um, man, ain't really a whole lot been going on. You been watching anything? Yeah, I caught this. Uh, I thought caught this pretty cool series on Netflix called Lupin. Uh, I actually enjoyed okay. it pretty much. I caught the whole season. It's about this... Um, it's about the son of a Senegalese immigrant that moves to France to try to make a better life for his son, and then okay. he ends up um, he ends up getting sent to prison for stealing this uh, mm. diamond from from the from the house from the owner of the house, and so the son grows up thinking his whole life believing that his dad is a thief and shit like that. So he has a really oh and. The dad ended up getting convicted, uh, uh, like max sentence type deal, and mm. um, he couldn't handle the guilt, so he like hung himself in prison. No. And so that's pretty much that's the stigma that the main characters had to live with his whole life. Mm. But um, when they were, when he was a kid, his dad was always uh, about books and stuff, and one of which was um, about Arsène Lupin, the gentleman thief. And so that that sort of whole mythology and um, his series of adventures really inspired this main character. So when he grew up. Um, he sort of took after him in a lot of ways. Mm. So the series opens with um, this. Well, basically what they said about the diamond was that, oh, it was stolen by this dude's dad. And then this pieces were it was taken apart and the pieces were scattered across the world type deal. So 25 later, when the main character is an adult, they're having this auction where the necklace is here, like all together. Like, oh, we found it and now it's back. We're going to sell it and you know give all the proceeds to this uh uh charity type deal 
And so the main character is like, no, I'm stealing that because, oh, you know, I mean, my dad died for that. So I I have a right to, to get it. Oh, <laughs> you have a right. So, <laughs> this is birthright. So when he takes the gem, uh, he has one of his appraiser friends check it out. And he was like, yo, this thing was never, ever taken apart. So it was like, yo, if it was never taken apart, then what is, then what did my dad die for? Like, if that's a lie, then... What else is a lie? So that's pr- mm-hmm. that makes him starts pulling on that yarn until he uncovers like more and more, yeah, more and more corruption. But I really like it because it's um uh, the main character's uh, uh this French actor named Omar Sy. It's a uh, it's dubbed. So, but it was actually it was very good. It was a really good dubbing. I it was very organic. It was didn't really notice in most of the time so it was and it was pretty dope i enjoyed it i really only decided to watch it because um in persona 5 you're it's all about phantom thieves and the main character's Mm. persona is arsene lupin so that's why that connection so i was like oh interesting let me check it out i mean i've seen a couple i know i'd love that episodes of lupin the third but i never really like that happens a lot of in japanese games they use references and then the references are dope so it makes it draws exactly so you're like yeah if i see that reference again in another medium i'm Mm -hmm. more much more likely to check it out but this one was really good like it's got that conflict where he's trying to figure out um uh all the foul play that went on with his dad and it's really it's got this he's like finding clues and little shit that his dad left him and stuff it's pretty cool i I like the unraveling of that but he also has to balance his home life because um he he has i guess she would be his estranged wife but he has he has a son with an estranged wife and um it's it's a tense situation between the two of them because they don't live together and because he's out running off doing his his shit oh um i guess i should measure for anyone who doesn't know he's a, a con artist and like a thief and um a master of disguise and you know he's one of those like jack of all trades sort of like super handy spy characters basically Damn. all right so life on the street has, has molded him right but also what happens is he also got a very um uh, uh he also had a very prestigious education so he's got like mm. he's got he's got the whole support network to back up his um so he's a common savant pretty much pretty much but it's it's cool it ended on a fucking i think there's only like six episodes of it and it ended on a crazy cliffhanger so i'm really really excited to see where it goes and yeah i was surprised i really was that the whole season or is that a mid-season thing for after six episodes i do not know. I don't know how it is. I don't know if it's like a French thing or a Netflix thing. I don't know. But there's only six episodes left, and it's basically like find out next time. And there ain't no yeah, I do know so. that that French shows serialize differently. Yeah, so, so it could be that that's just a mid season thing, and they they that would be because yeah, be I'm so I'm not excited sure. for the rest because it is it's got me. It's got me. What's really really funny is damn, it did it in six episodes. <laughs> Oh man, it got me in one. That shit was episode one was good enough that like the main character and uh I don't know. Maybe as a first generation immigrant, I tend to identify with first generation Absolutely. black Nothing man immigrant that. characters. Yeah, no no no. That's, so, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, um I, that drew me in, but also he's playing that trope that um you don't often see male characters trope uh, um black male characters playing. You see a lot of those sort of like jack of all trades, I'm super you know macgyver type characters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you don't often see them as black characters so i um that and really the mystery of what was going on with his um with his with almost his feel dad like sherlock holmes was a, absolutely absolutely it has that same sort of feel to it he's like um and what, what i really like about it is he's using aliases of um arsene lupin to commit these crimes 
and there's one dude in the detective's office who's got the he's got the inside track. He's figured out. He's like, this name is just an anagram of uh, Arsene Lupin. <laughs> and the really funny thing is, he was just about to convince everyone, but his police chief is corrupt. So now his police chief is uh... also saying like, really. Really? So, uh, hang on. Yeah, let me let, let me get uh, Inspector Clouseau on the line here to come help with this uh, with this other character from this book. So everybody's like clowning him about it, and he can't get it worded edgewise. So it's really funny that they're they, he's got taken off the case. Basically, he solved the whole thing already in like halfway through the season. But everybody's just like, bro, that's stupid. That's like it's basically like if someone was was imitating Sherlock Holmes or Moriarty in this case, and um going around and perpetrating crimes using anagrams of Moriarty's names as aliases, and somebody figured it out and everybody else was like, dude, that's nope. stupid. No, <laughs> one that. no one does that. It's ridiculous like... right now. <sighs> but it's cool. It's got a lot of threads in it that uh, I'm, I'm fucking with and I'm really looking forward to seeing. That sounds uh, super entertaining. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's what's up. Shout out to Omar Sai. It's the name of the main character. It's the only name I see because I start focusing on the show as soon as... <laughs> that. You know, It's like main character and then everything i start focusing on the show after that and as far as the end credits goes they they immediately put it in the short square and go on to the next episode so <laughs> it's the only name i recognize that's what's up i haven't watched too much of anything um i've been stuck in the world of yakuza like a dragon nice the game is, is really good it's it's really good i can't i definitely believe it earned it's it's nine out of ten nice 100 nice. the the graphics are are good they're not. Um, I don't think that they're they're groundbreaking or anything, but they definitely are up to par for PlayStation Four. Um, it plays very smoothly. Load times are a bit long at uh, at moments, but you know it's to be expected. I've yeah. I've never I've never been one to to bulk at load times to be honest because I'm playing a relatively slow game anyway. So, um, boy, man, did it really take hold of its RPG, uh, its JRPG uh, design, man. Nice. It is, it is through and through at every point. Like from from the overworld to the to the combat to the delivery of the story, and the story is amazing. And nice. it, it's funny because uh, Ichiban uh, is he's an idealist, man. <laughs> and in in a world where the yakuza and and the other uh, mafia criminals that he's dealing with. They're very reminiscent of what you would imagine are very ruthless, uh, 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 violent, and underhanded people. Like, but he is always being so upbeat, and it's <laughs> it's it's a really interesting uh, juxtaposition uh, in the character performances. And they they did a good job of 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 portraying it. The game itself has a bunch of really like. You know, just kind of like anime comedy elements to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh, the summons are called uh, like so. You, it's a play on Postmates, but they're called Poundmates. <laughs> and so you make That's these friends throughout the world, and you can call them, and they'll come in like summons and and do <laughs> very sick. Dope. It's hilarious, but it's it's <laughs> riddled with fun things like that. They go hard on the mini games, boy, man. There's probably about almost. 16 different mini games to play Damn. all of which have their whole like fully developed like i'm talking about you could spend four or five hours <laughs> is there a karaoke mini game yes absolutely come on man <laughs> come on man you know what this is absolutely but yeah it's uh it's really really well done i mean the encounters aren't random so you could see them on the map and so you could try to evade them but for the most part 
you know, you're going to get into to fights traveling over uh, the, the overworld map. And um, me being... <sighs> Me being the traditionalist I am, I refuse to use fast travel. So I get into a <laughs> lot of fights. Like, it's definitely designed for you to use the fast travel, and I don't. And so I'm crazily overleveled yeah, <laughs> because that, I've been fighting ridiculously. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, I can imagine these boss fights would be very difficult if if you hadn't uh, ground out some some uh, a significant amount of levels prior to that. But yeah, the game is really, really good. Um, if you like the JRPG style, like it is entrenched in that. Like there's, there's not, there's like action buttons. Like you know, when you're performing an attack, it might actually like tap square or time a, a triangle attack. But other than that, there's no action RPG elements. Like it's all like, you know, turn based RPG. Uh, JRPG fashion. You know, items dope. in every corner. You know, collect the quests. You know talk quests go talk here go talk there go talk it's like you're gonna get a ton of that so if you're not ready for that or if that's not your style of gameplay just it it, it might not be able to hold up but if you want a, a top level jrpg experience with all of the elements this is definitely a go-to game and and i and i really like how they incorporated all of the rpg elements into the real world because yakuza is supposed to be a, a relatively realistic setting you know what i mean like there's yeah. no like magic or anything like that um but yeah so they they incorporate everything like the summons are or you're calling people in to come in and help you and um just various things like that uh, all of the jobs are like real life professions and the place where you go to 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 change jobs is like workforce one <laughs> and it's like a it's like a temp agency that you go to to change your job it's hilarious it's, it's all into incorporated that way and so yeah it's the game is is a quality experience and and i could do a more in-depth review but it's i mean there's not much like to explain like it that's it you know everything else you're pretty much gonna gonna want to encounter in the game because it's all part and parcel to the storyline like it's all worked in but yeah the storyline is amazingly complex like you think you got it (laughs) and then two chapters later you're just like oh okay this whole thing is way deeper than i ever thought man like character turns writing oh man it's really good yeah i cannot complain um, it has a really in-depth like bond system between the characters, which uh, I, it seems like a it's completely ancillary. Like you could definitely complete the game without ever participating in it. But at the mm-hmm. same token, some of the cooler stuff is locked behind it in terms of character <laughs> development. So you'll want to do it if you can. But it does it. I can imagine if you're using the fast travel frequently, it's going to be difficult because part of the bonding process is triggering. Uh, talking events throughout the city that come up randomly so you know i I triggered a ton of them being that i run everywhere and i just i'd be going back and forth across the city for no reason like oh this shit because first of all you can only sell in one place on this on the map oh that's kind of whack yeah so you got to travel whenever you you want to like offload some old gear or something you got to run all the way back there so that's always a a fucking a haul but yeah the game it's designed well because given that it takes place in one city, it makes sense that it's centralized at that one spot because it's not like you're mm-hmm. traveling outside of those limits. So, yeah, man, I'm definitely enjoying it. I think I'm about a third of the way through the game so far. 
Oh, but yeah, dope. I'm looking forward to, to to finishing that up. I'm sure the Carolinas looking forward to it too, so I can get off the TV. But <laughs> yeah, man. Other than that, not a whole lot of shit's been going on. Um, just been some. Uh, 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 I haven't seen anything really going on in terms of uh, entertainment news. So we'll just get right into the shits today. I did see something that was a little bit disturbing on the um the end of your jobs report, which I don't know, man. If these numbers are accurate, then then it just it just screams something uh, has to change. So the December jobs report showed that there was an overall uh, loss of 140,000 jobs. But when you look at the actual demographic breakdown of job loss and job gain, it shows that men gained uh, 16,000 job positions and women lost 156,000 job positions for an overall net of negative 140,000 jobs. It's a little ridiculous. Positions over, over the last quarter of the year. Now, that's ridiculous. Like, that is absurd. Like, you can't disenfranchise w- one gender like that. Like, it's that's so indicative of, like, a failure of society. Like, that's a huge failure in society. Like, those are the kind of things that we have government uh, institutions to kind of prevent from happening. You know what I mean? That's why, you know, we, we attempt at least to, to have like uh, equal opportunity legislation and fair, fair hiring practice legislation. And this is why any progressive platform that you're looking forward to, to supporting needs to uh, uh, support some kind of legislation to minimize the the gender pay gap because that shit is getting absurd because not That's only ridiculous. do women make i think something like 30% less for the same positions when you cuz i know that the people are oh well if you look at it's only it's only averaged and it's a, it is a it's a misconstruing of the numbers and and i'm telling you if you look at the actual sociological data they look at like Let's say Sheryl Sandberg versus another uh, CFO uh, of a similarly sized corporation. She makes significantly less. Like even at the upper echelons, at at every level, women make less than men. And so it's it's, it's just we have to we have to address the societal uh, uh, issues that are causing there to be a, a massive gender pay gap. And then we have to deal with the fact that why are women losing their jobs at disproportionate rates than men? Like, this is a, a huge problem. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know what I mean? We cannot disenfranchise women because, if, honestly, women are the ones who are driving all manners of change in our society. Like, I, I, if there's anything that has been positively changed over the past 50 years in American politics, it's been the inclusion of women. At very least, we can say that there has been positive movement in that. And, Absolutely. And if that's the case then we we need to make sure that that's reflected in society like we can't be empowering women at the top and then disenfranchising all the women in the middle and bottom that doesn't make any sense that that's that 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 you know it's 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 the same problem that you have whenever you you have uh issues of inequality and representation you know we can't empower a, a small group at the expense of the greater majority of that group can't do it when it's women we can't do it when it's black people we can't do it when it's hispanic people we can't do it whenever whenever we're talking about disparity politics inequality politics 
we have to make sure that it's rooted in an actual empowerment of the demographic and not just the upliftment of a small group of them to be ignored. That's not helpful. And so this jobs report was hugely distressing to me. I felt so bad when I when I read that. And I was just like, man, how how is that tenable? How is that tenable? When a you know, women are are no less productive, you know, the, the that gender demographic is no less productive than the male demographic. So I can't understand how a society is trying to be progressive and 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 empower people and women are losing employment at that kind of rate. That's wild. And so I just thought I'd bring that up because I don't hear anyone really talking about that because everything is is fucking wrapped up in this in the in the impeachment now and dealing with the fallout of the of the Capitol Hill riots, but that shit that scared the fuck out of me. Um I did see something that I thought was interesting. Um, was that Iran has uh, created a, a a deal with Cuba to to uh, share vaccines, which I think is, and I point that out because I think it's important that we 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 watch these international solidarities because America is falling off when it comes to to international aid, when it comes to actually you know participating in the global economy especially in 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 the face of something like a global pandemic places like cuba are stepping up big man you know and and they're showing solidarity with a lot of people that that um, that america has been trying to ostracize and and i think that those solidarities are going to be important coming into the future because i don't know you know whatever whatever uh global dynamic comes out of this you know they're going to start looking around all of these these uh, embargoes and and uh, and sanctions that that America is unilaterally trying to place on countries and and the the new global uh, uh, trade agreements are going to be reflective of that you know you know and and I think that that's something that America needs to pay attention to because I don't I don't see anything in Biden's foreign policy plan other than being nice to China that's going to it's going to move us into a better place with that. You know, I don't think that Biden is going to be demanding of the kind of res- respect that that, you know, is going to need to be garnered for America to to get its place in the global economy where it was. You know, Biden doesn't represent someone who's going to take hold of the American co- economy and bring it to a more global uh, positioning. I don't. I don't think that that global leaders see Biden as that, you know, I see them. I think they see Biden as a continuation of whatever malfeasance was going on before. You know, he doesn't he doesn't have an active plan, you know, to really bring America into into, you know, global climate agreements and, you know, fixing nuclear disarmament agreements and, you know, getting, you know, global pandemic relief like. He, I mean, I haven't heard him say anything about those things, so I don't know. I, I think that that those, uh, those kind of solidarities between places like Cuba and Iran and and the the various places that Russia is reaching out to now, it, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting setting, and and that's what you know that's gonna be the geopolitical positioning, um, that we're gonna have to deal with when America finally gets back on its feet, if it gets back on its feet. I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen with this Biden administration? You know, 
as I said, they don't they haven't they haven't projected any any plans that look like they're gonna develop into anything meaningful. So there goes that. Um oh, <laughs> uh, I saw here that in Flint, Michigan, they're actually bringing up charges against the governor of Michigan uh, that was governor at the time of the Flint water crisis. And they're charging him with the deaths, with 12 of the deaths that that uh, subsequently came from uh, from his malfeasance and, and neglect for taking care of the city's water supply, which I thought that was great. I was nice super start. happy to see that. That's like in a, in a time where people are screaming for accountability. That's a little bit. That's a little nice bit of accountability. Sure. And uh, I don't know, man. I don't think it looks good for this guy. I don't think it looks good for this guy because from what I understand, the people or or the officials in Flint, Michigan are very much against the way the governor handled that. And if he's going, he's going to try. I don't think that judges are, are going to be on their side. There was just too much. There too much harm was brought to the public. Yeah, and they're the probably also looking little. for a scapegoat to lay the thing to rest. Anyway, true, true. It could be a scapegoat because I mean I'm sure it's a it's there's a lot of people who are involved with mm-hmm. it wasn't one person's decision mm-hmm. to do that for sure. So if you're hanging on that one dude's neck and you make it look dramatic enough, people it'll say to enough people that you won't have to do it again. Yeah, I so wonder. So he may have drawn the short straw on that one. Yeah, because but you know, I is that is it okay to say that it's better than nothing? Because I mean that's the, I think I, I doubt but we get it all is of better them. Than nothing yeah I and doubt you we won't ever get all of them. and you won't because there are smart people in the government and there are people that are used by smart people in mm-hmm, the government mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you're never gonna catch all of them because some of them have been literally been doing it for twenty plus years so, killing it killing a game <laughs> feel me they literally write the laws that are trying to get them um <clears throat> that are trying to hold them accountable so you know it's not really gonna happen but that being said. Um, unfortunately, it's just because I know how the system is towards people of color. But sometimes you gotta make an example, man. You gotta make mm-hmm. an example because they be wildin'. They really be wildin'. They they don't have any sort of chill when it comes to corporate malfeasance, man. They, no, they, they, they just, run up the score. They yeah, run up the score. it's just it's just greed and just yeah. We'll just keep doing it, keep doing it. But yeah, hundreds of people have dying. Mm, I don't see that. I don't see none of them. And, I'll see and, cash. And man, you know. It wasn't. It's not even just that. That is a terrible part. On top of that, they were poisoning the children, man. Filming. It's like, guys, you were poisoning the children, man. It's like that level children of with like, lead levels in they water that was out of control, man. Like, come on, man. Poisoning an entire was, generation without no kind of. It, kinda, it like, was mostly black people. There was a lot of white people too. Like, I think Michigan Flint is something like I think twenty something percent white. You know what I mean? There's a lot of poor white people there. And I don't quote me on my demographic breakdown, but there's there's a significant amount of poor white people in Flint that are dying. It's like, come on, man. Y'all are just killing people, bro. Mm-hmm. Just swaths of people, poisoning their children. Gosh, man. That's the thing with greed, man. Greed really allows people to separate themselves from other human beings. You feel me? And I, just, and I always say this, man. I completely understand why uh, Native Americans consider greed a sickness like it's like a disease and it's a mental disease Absolutely. and it takes over it rots your mind yes gosh man makes you very very irrational like you'll see greedy people do shit and you like you'll from a safe distance you're like yeah that's that's a terrible idea why would you do that that's 
you know, I mean, you already have everything that you need. The fact that you would do something like that that is so risky with so little reward, considering where you stood prior to doing that, it's just it's just nonsense. Or people, or when people greed evolves into hoarding, and you're just looking at people because, like, I know I, <laughs> You'll I'm telling never you, never be able to use that ever yo, in your life. I, I look at people like Bloomberg and Bezos and Gates. Well, I mean, Gates uses his money, but and, and Zuckerberg, but these guys like. There's genuine ways in which you could actually, like, just put funds on the ground to help the problems that you're talking about, and you don't do that. you rather go build a company to make money off of and siphon and it. And it, the problem is, is that not everything is, should be organized in a capitalist way. But when you do organize things in a capitalist way, it is a zero-sum game. So if you are taking a capitalist structure and you're attempting to like do you know aid work with it it's going to end up extracting resources and 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 things of profit from that towards the capitalist entity it's just how it it's it ends up working and unfortunately when you're attempting to aid people when you're aiding them and extracting their their valuable resources from them at the same time it, you're not really aiding them you're not really helping them <laughs> but siphoning. in america for some reason the people are so empty of moral value that they see that and they're like it's cool but look at all the people they're 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 helping and it's like no no no. but look how much more they're taking like if you can't extract all of the valuable resources that you want from an area and then expect those people to still flourish without access to that resource you just extracted so we can't look at these these things in capitalist ways. And unfortunately, these people who have all this money, that's the only way that they can think. Yep. Bill Gates has no ability to actually use his money to help people because he is stuck in a mode of thinking that just unfortunately will never result in the benefit of the people that he's trying to help. It's, just, it's a structural issue. You know what I mean? You can't build capitalist organizations to help people. Because capitalist organizations are driven by profit. And profit don't help people. <laughs> profit doesn't help people. It just lines the pockets of capitalists. And so, you know, unfortunately, you know, greed that becomes hoarding ends up, that that process <laughs> ends up making invalid all of the things that people who end up hoarding try to do with their money. Such as Bill Gates trying to help benefit anything. But anyway, I have a whole conspiracy theory I got about that later, so I will talk about that in a little bit. Speaking of ultra-rich people, um, Sheldon Adison died. He was a major uh, Israeli uh, donor, like a multi-billionaire, and he was funding a ton of fucked up shit. Ton oh of God. fucked up shit. I'm pretty sure that he was... I'm pretty sure he was the money guy behind Rupert Murdoch to 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 purchase Fox, if I remember correctly, but... He has funded tons of, of shit that has been just fundamentally destructive to the world. So he will not be missed. Good riddance. I just, I wonder where his money's going. I wonder who's now in charge of all of those resources that he had. And I hope that they're not more evil than he was. Because that's that's always scary. It's like, man, like when the Koch, when one of the Koch brothers died, it's like, what, did the other Koch brother like like have a quickening and absorb all of his evil forces and become stronger pretty much <laughs> like how they, does that happen just gonna pass it on to a younger more evil protege damn bro like 
the, the Sith man, they they got the structure, bro. They know how to they, they know how to get that apprenticeship going, man. Because Sheldon Adelson, man, boy, let me tell you, his money has funded so much fuckery in the American government. It is ridiculous, ridiculous. I can only hope that whoever is in charge of his funds now just focuses more on someplace other than America. Like, go take your money and go fuck up something else, could you please? Because we're we got tons of rich people fucking our shit up. We don't need foreign money. We don't need to be also fucking siphoning tons of our fucking military resources off for Israel. Like, come on, man. Like, Jesus. It's like, oh, that relationship is so toxic. The America-Israel relationship. And I'm not talking about the Jewish people. I'm not talking Jewish people and American people. I'm talking about the 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 parasitic relationship that the Jew that the Israeli government has with the American government. That's what I'm talking about. That is a fundamentally terrible relationship. And that has caused tons of harm in the world. Tons of harm to the countries all across the Middle East. It has done tons of harm to the Palestinian people. And that shit, man, oh I I I, I wish it like people's bank accounts were like live stream and when they die it just evaporates so that like like no more evil can come of that like just release that back to the live stream man like you're just gumming up billions of dollars for what to stick your dick in it <laughs> like it just ugh, the worst yeah but how would you regulate that to only shit bags though no no fuck it let people let good people because honestly i just feel like in a in a world where we're empowering individuals more and more like that whole, if people are empowered and they're doing a decent job, they sh- they shouldn't need to inherit all of that shit. You know what I mean? Like they they'll get a small piece of it, just like everyone else does when when their parents dies. I don't know. I'm just, I, I, I'm sh- I'm <laughs> shotgun that one there. ideals, man. <laughs> but no, that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't. I, I I think that everyone should good, bad, and indifferent. When you're done, you're done. Your your shit goes back to the to to the to the all stream, right? But that's because mm-hmm. in that particular scenario, everybody else would be t- well taken care of in their life, so that they wouldn't. Oh yeah, yeah. we're that's, talking that's about utopianism, by, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But yeah, in a, in a world of disparate opportunity, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> it immediately hits reality and was like, nah. But that was that was all cute and all, but no. <laughs> nobody not everyone has the same opportunity uh to to realize that that little piece that they would get you know what i mean some people would just have a disparate advantage and so it would no longer be fair but i get it anyways moving on <laughs> fucking fuck sheldon adelson man that guy <laughs> that guy was the worst man but you know th- that's the kind of stuff that we say needs to happen like man we need these old guys to die but then we never stop to think like so who's going to replace them and are they going to be worse because i look at some of these young kids and i'm like oh man there's so many shit bags for them to replace them yeah you gotta fix the system because gots to, humans, gots to, gots to, humans right? are gonna adapt to the system so it doesn't matter whether they're young or old once they figure out how it works as long as they're not morally opposed to how it works they will use it to the best of their ability see my thing is is that what i don't understand is like they seem to like okay incentivize just incentivize people to do the right thing and they'll do the right thing and and while i don't always believe that it's like but y'all don't even attempt to incentivize them to do the right thing but that's flawed in general because the right thing is not the same to anyone to everyone sorry not everyone thinks the right thing is the same thing so yeah well when i say the right thing i'm speak generically to like socially acceptable things 
those are those are agreed. That's still varied varies to from people to people though. But I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. <clears throat> but yeah. Moving on from that. Dude, so I was wondering, like, did you see any like how did the Capitol Hill riots resolve? Like all I've seen they is pictures home. of them breaching or entering or being let in. I see them fucking some shit up. But I didn't they didn't like they just all left. They just like, all right, cool guys. It was all done. Pretty much. They couldn't it's getting get kinda what, late. I gotta get back home. Yeah, they couldn't get what they were going for. So you know. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if this was a coup, it wasn't about that. If this was a coup, it was like, no, 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 we're taking over this building. I mean, no one's saying it was a well planned coup. <laughs> you feel me? No one, it's no one, is, saying, being well no one is saying that this was <laughs> okay. you know saying okay. some shit that had this stages is my point. or nothing it, like you that. You didn't even plan a coup if everyone had a curfew. Like if everybody was just planning to leave when it got dark, then that was not a coup. Like nobody was intending for it to be a coup. Okay. Clearly, they were just coming there to fuck some shit up. They wanted to cause a riot. Like I, I mean, don't understand. Like I think yes. Uh, from what I've been mm-hmm. seeing, it definitely seems that it's been orchestrated on multiple levels, including police and members that were in the Senate. So in that case, the people on the floor that walked into it, yes, they were not a part of the coup. They were they were pawns. They did okay. not plan a coup. They were definitely pawns. Okay. However, there does seem to be some fuck shit going on as. There were tours given of the congressional buildings days before this happened. Oh, yeah. No, no. There were panic buttons removed from congressional offices. Offices, absolutely. Ahead of time. So there's definitely some fuck shit happening. But that's what I'm saying. There's definitely fuck shit happening. I'm thinking that they did all of that because they knew... Because honestly, based on what happened and the violence that was there, I would have expected many more people to be dead if this was genuinely a violent clue to, to take over that's what i'm saying like i this this was an insurrection it was a riot it was it was mob behavior all of those things but whatever coup was happening wasn't from those people nor was it from the assholes like charlie kirk who were busting people in and the other dickhead governors who were who were busting people in i don't think that they only were really there for the riot. Like they had no interest whatsoever in actually overthrowing anything. They were just there to disrupt what was happening, which was know. the count. I heard a lot of them saying pretty much that they went there to uh, take over and stop the count and shit like that. I heard a lot of them go, the, that personally just, said they went there to attack it. I understand that that's an individual sentiment. I just don't see how there was any kind of like if if you're gonna if you're trying to perform a coup, like why didn't they set up in the building? Like they moved on the building just to just to yell at a bunch of people, rub some shit on the walls, and then leave and walk out because that's pretty much what happened. Like that's not a coup though. That's just that's a violent protest. These people are idiots, Kareem. What did you expect? Did you expect them to have a plan or something? Not. Everything that they've done and you've described pretty much fully aligns with everything that we've seen them displayed before. You feel me? Okay. No, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to 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 piece together in my head how the media took it from a violent insurrection, mob attack to a coup because like a coup has a lot of very particular particular things that go on about it you know what i mean and 
Honestly, I don't know. That, I don't I don't know. Like, I see what, and I personally like don't like when they use that language because that gives that gives politicians license now to start doing wild, reckless shit. You know what I mean? And I don't want to give them any more power to do wild, reckless shit. Like, well, we have insurrectionists, and now they're they're threatening every every state capital. So starting on the the first day of Biden's inauguration, we're gonna have federal troops, you know, guarding every single state capital. Like, I don't I don't like these positionings. This is weird shit. You know what I mean? Like, if this was a coup. That would be an appropriate response, but it's not a coup. It was a bunch of jackhats being fomented by a bigger jackhat, one that had been announcing this for years and had been signal boosted and permitted to do so by all of the people who are now denouncing him. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a weird setup. It's a weird, real weird setup. You know, and I think that unfortunately, the people who do benefit from this are the people who who are being villainized for a bunch of other shit that probably has little to do with them. You know, because unfortunately, like all of the all of the shit behind the scenes, I just don't want to see any more any more uh, militarization coming down to the state level. Because I'm telling you, man, all of this coup talk, and now they're talking about they're gonna they're staging another uh, demonstration, armed demonstration on the twentieth. Oh, man, it's it's not looking good, and and all for what? All for what? You know what I mean? I don't. I have no. I have no idea what they plan on 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 doing to 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 benefit from this like what are they what do they gain from all of this and when i say they i mean the trump supporters they don't gain anything because all they're doing is is they're they're mobilizing the military against them now national guard was sleeping in the capital they're 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 planning deployments to protect all of the cities from the 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 unrest that's going to happen on the inauguration you know what i mean like you keep saying what they gain from this, like these people are good with flags. What did they gain from starving the Capitol? What did they gain from electing Donald Trump? You're right. They're not you good with plans. Like they're they're not, really not good with plans. It's not about what they're to gain. It's about stopping them from doing you know, it. They're not going to gain anything anyway. They're stupid. Their plans are moronic. At some point, I figured they would they would like realize, like you know what? Maybe all of this running in headfirst without thinking about it is, is not a good Bro, idea. These are the <laughs> same people that they were like, yo, Donald Trump is giving out uh, pardons on parlor so just come on give us your name and id and tell us what crimes you were committing and he'll go ahead and send you a pardon oh, bro. So- and people went ahead and send them in it was so bad that there were other there were actual um right supremacists that were like yo stop doing that they're getting your information and they started doxing those people and saying that they were against <laughs> these people are fucking stupid yo, so so donald trump is considering trying to give himself a, a pardon but this is the interesting part. So sedition is is technically an unpardonable offense. And pardoning is an admission of guilt. So if he pardons himself for an unpardonable offense, does he immediately go to jail? Probably. Like, right? I, I mean... I mean... Uh, he uh, should, right? You should be able to string him up afterwards, but it's one of those things like, he doesn't give a shit. That, that dude doesn't give a fuck about what the actual details of the pardoning is 
He doesn't give a shit about you calling him into court. Like, good luck trying to get Donald Trump into court <laughs> for any of these things afterwards. These people are talking adorable shit about you're going to fucking... Yeah, good luck. Okay, so... Good luck. So, for normal humans, if Try you evade him. court like that, then they just they, they just rule against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did that to whatchamacallit. Yeah, the game you know got what I mean? done in real hard yeah. by that. Oh man, Whew. yeah, story of my life. But we won't get into that today. <laughs> yeah, but um, <clears throat> so with every, with all of the, see, I feel like honestly, Donald Trump was a useful idiot for Absolutely. for the um tech companies because for everybody. He, he has been great for their bottom line, and now they're done with him. Mm-hmm. So now they're trying to stick a coup on his head. So they can brush him so far under the rug that they will never get called on the malfeasance that he generated. I think that I think that they were pro Donald Trump this whole time. The tech companies, I'm seeing the Zuckerbergs, the Bezoses, the oh, uh, that, that, that's the, not uh, even disputable. Like <laughs> they literally had private meetings yeah. together. Yeah, and so honestly, this feels like this. The whole Donald Trump presidency feels like. A, a tech industry coup honestly more than anything because they've gained more power and more influence over the government over our finances over our everyday lives than ever like the thing is 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 it's hard to to determine like who's doing what in in all of these grand schemes when it comes to the orchestration of things like our government and you know our our national finance systems and so forth but what you can do is when the things start to to land, when the pieces start to land, you can ascertain who's who's benefiting the most of it. They're usually keeping a running tally. And so when all is said and done, all thing just based on what has actually happened, the tech companies have made out by and large financially and socially like bandits. They control more more of our everyday lives than ever, and they have more money than ever in the world. Like, it's really interesting. After four years of Donald Trump, who was on top? Certainly wasn't MAGA. Certainly wasn't his supporters. Certainly wasn't all of the dumbass politicians that 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 tied themselves onto his fucking the bullshit. No, none of them. But who benefited? Bezos, Zuckerberg, Gates, and Dorsey. Those four men have benefited tremendously, more so than the Koch brothers. Let's 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 be honest. More so than Sheldon Adelson. They have well, made more money than all of the Republican billionaires. They've been spending more money than all those other guys combined. Feel me? Nonetheless, well, you got if this is your plan, and you got it, you are going to be the one spending money if you're orchestrating this shit. That's my conspiracy theory is that when all is said and done, Donald Trump isn't the isn't the the baby of MAGA. Donald Trump is definitely the love child of tech billionaires and their control over our social atmosphere, our political atmosphere, our financial atmosphere. They control our political atmosphere through lobbying. They control our social atmosphere through social media platforms and they control our financial and economic atmosphere just through holding a monopoly of the cash flow of our economy, period. Most of our money is dominated by those companies. 
Let's be 100% honest. And so, yeah, it's just, it's a real, it's a real quagmire America finds itself because those companies, they've, they've, they've weaseled themselves into a very powerful place in our society. And unfortunately, our society is, is very open and willing to their, to their control. Like they are, they are the big brother that, that they were, that they, we were being warned against by all these, these sci-fi writers. They have become that. They, they see everything. They know everything about you. They aggregate all that data. They know how to discipline you. They know they could do all that shit. But yeah, man, that shit is they, that's a that's gonna be a really interesting uh, <laughs> in in the in the twenty twenty one storylines. I don't know is twenty twenty one gonna be the 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 story where all the storylines come to head, or is twenty twenty one where all the storylines start to mature? Twenty twenty two is when shoes start to fall because. <laughs> There's still like even I thought that 2020 would have would have wrapped up a lot of shit, but honestly, a lot of this shit is still in motion. I still I, I see some of this stuff coming together, like a lot of the shit that's been happening in in Washington D.C. in terms of on the ground, the Capitol Hill riots, the the political motions, and so forth. All of that's interesting, but there's still a lot more to come. There's still a lot more to come. I'm definitely uh interested to see see how this all uh comes to a head it was funny did you see that uh somebody at the state department website disgruntled employee marked the end of (laughs) donald trump's uh fucking term as the 11th my nigga's like yo i'm willing to take this l bro yeah i can only imagine donald trump just sitting at home fomenting bro just wanting to tweet so badly so badly that's a shame it's like yo dude your life is so empty that really social media was your only outlet like man if i get banned off twitter it's all good man i got people to talk to to go bitch to like damn bro nah it's the only one way outlet you feel me because he has an outlet he could just walk right out to the press office and literally everybody will show up to hear him speak but it's the only thing that allows him to just fucking say the bullshit he wants to say and he gets to ignore what Bro, other people say at I really his leisure. Don't, I really don't understand how easily the American people have just taken to this idea that Twitter is public speech. <laughs> it's not public speech. By definition, by the way, let me just explain to everyone. By definition, Twitter is not public speech. It is a private platform. platform. (laughs) It is created by individuals who own that private IP. It is not public at any point. So stop treating it like it's public. And nor should it be public. Nor should it be. Nor should it be. That's a huge technicality. Your your shit is public unless you put your shit private. No, no, no. When I say when I say it's it's not public, you you don't have rights. I understand what you mean when you said that. That's why I said you got to put your shit on private because when you put it out there, but not even just that. Even though it's a Mm -hmm. private company, it's still a public platform that everyone can see unless your shit is protected. Well, not even yeah, but that not even just that. What I'm referencing is is that. Whatever you do on that public, on that that private platform is subject to the whims of the person who owns that platform. And so if they don't like when you say the word coon, it doesn't matter how relevant it is. You're subject to them saying you can't do that. And if you don't like that, then honestly, that's a private platform. They're not stopping you from stepping outside of your door and saying the word coon. And they're not stopping you from reaping the rewards of saying coon to the wrong person. What I what they can do is say that this private platform you know, because even if you think that the internet is a public place, Twitter is still a private building on that public place. Like, there's just no 
formulation of the analogy of Twitter and, and public space that comes together that says that you have unlimited rights in as if Twitter was a public forum. It's not. It is a private forum open to many public people, but also subject to its private rules and whims. And so we can't just stop. Like silencing someone on Twitter or on you, like you don't have a right to post on YouTube. Like I, everyone realizes that, right? It's not your constitutional right to po- post on YouTube. Now, YouTube does not have the right from not allowing you to post on some other person's shit. Like if YouTube bans you, you could go to Vimeo and YouTube has no right to stop you from posting on Vimeo. But if Vimeo don't like you and they ban you, then you're shit out of luck and you can go post someplace else. But that is the byproduct of using other people's property. That's what. That's why software and websites are considered intellectual property because they are other people's property. And when you go onto them and you utilize them and you navigate through them, even though the internet is public, those are private places. And even the internet, that's a new public space. Like we still have yet to properly, uh, uh, fully develop the internet commons as in the common space of the internet. But as such, that still does not make Twitter a public platform. It is a private platform open to the public. You can register, the public is open, anyone in the public is open to register to Twitter. That's what, that's the only public part of Twitter. Everything else on Twitter is private, technically. It is controlled and operated by a private entity. They broadcast it very widely, but it's still not public speech. Just be, and, and and the fact that that the American people, coupled with the American uh, politicians, have moved and attempted to make Twitter a public space, and attempting to empower Jack Dorsey that way is foolhardy. It's foolhardy and it, and it's detrimental and it's not healthy, because what it does is that it creates a classist element to our politics. Because a lot of people on the ground don't fuck with politics on the internet. A lot of black people don't fuck with politics on the internet. A lot of Hispanic people don't fuck with politics on the internet. And when they do, it's usually very misleading. And then they learn to stay away from it. And so we don't want Twitter to be our political space, our public political space. And for if, if people want to use that as an ancillary tool, if, pub, if politicians want to use that as an ancillary tool to touch more people easily, fine. But that's not... That's not the public commons. Nor has the internet been set up properly as a public commons. Let us let us interface properly with what's going on. That's why it was so important for air airways such as radio airways and TV uh, uh, broadcasts to be to be regulated and 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 utilized as tools of information for the public good. That's why those. You know, so much regulation exists for that. That's why the FCC exists. Not saying that they're, you know, currently doing a good job of it, but I'm just saying that's the spirit of why it exists because we understand that these spaces need to be cultivated into public commons. Otherwise, they will just they will just be what they are, which is private, privately owned platforms for capitalists to exploit people on. Yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap on that. You guys could always follow us on the social media. You can find me on Instagram at Home Heron's Home Podcast and on Twitter at Home Heron at and at Korea underscore T. <laughs> you can catch me on Instagram at Rico underscore G Sound. 
And always remember guys, time is only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever truly will learn from. Thanks for joining us guys. Peace. Take it easy.